Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, saints and ain'ts, welcome to another Unplugged Service JBLM podcast. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ by loving God, loving people, fostering connection, and cultivating community. My name is Chaplain Kevin L. Betton Jr. Thank you for listening wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember to rate our podcast, review it, and please give us five stars. If you give us four stars, I am inclined to believe that you are a hater and the altar is open for you. And with no further delay, here is today's message from Chaplain John McPherson. All right. If you have your uh, your Bibles or your device, I'd encourage you to uh, turn to First First John. Near the back of the Bible. All right. And as you do that, I want to um, I want to point out a couple things. Uh, number one is this this, uh, this fan is going to blow away all my notes, so I'm going to turn that off. Second thing I want to point out is um, you know this QR code on the back of your name tag has a lot of really really good resources. Two of which I'm going to point out. One is if you scan it and you look down the list of uh, options in there, one of which is an entire outline of the book of uh, First John, yes, right? Yes, really sir. great resource for you to go back and as you study the Word of God, um, we do it together and then individually in your time with the Lord to go back through that outline. The second thing I want to point out is, um, you know, I have a lot to cover today, 14 verses. And I would love to believe that I'm going to fully answer every single one of your questions, but I just know that I'm just not that talented. So, one of the things you can do is scroll down and there's a First John Q&A. I would encourage you to, if you have a question, to plug it in there. Myself, Chad Benton, Chuck Garcia will do our best to answer your questions timely. And then next week when we come together, I'll do, uh, do my job when I preach again to, uh, to answer your questions um, in front of the congregation, all right? Yes, sir. All right, so... Before we get to uh, the passage today, which is, comes from 1 John chapter 2, um, I, was, I was told that uh, here at Unplugged, we kind of do things differently. Is that, is that true? Yes, sir. Yeah. So um, it's more of an interactive sermon, right? It's more like a Bible study where I'm going to bring the Word of God. I did my job, and I need you to help me, okay? So I'm going to ask you questions, and you're going to respond, okay? Does everybody understand? Yes. Right. Okay, so let's start with a very easy, easy one as we look at the context of our passage today. Does anybody know, can anybody guess who wrote the book of 1 John? John, you're right, yes. Right, so we're going to say, there it is, who? John, the son of Zebedee. Um, and he uh, was a disciple of Jesus, walked along with them for three years, and then the crazy thing about John is, um, he actually wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He wrote the Gospel of John. Does anybody know what other book he wrote? Revelation. The Book of Revelation. See, people are all over today, okay? Roll time. Roll time. <laughs> Roll time. Um, okay, so John was a pretty important disciple of Jesus, and then his fingerprints are all over the New Testament. We could also ask who, in terms of who is the book written to? It's written to a young church, much like... This one, right? Um, and uh, John is writing to them because they're facing uh, false teachers. We can also add to that, who is John writing against? Does anybody know who he's writing against? Starts with a silent G. The Gnostics, right? And that's a strange word you probably don't use every single day. But Gnostics, 
It literally means having knowledge. And what we're going to see today is people seem to believe that just by knowing facts, knowing about Jesus, that that was good enough. And, spoiler alert, that's not exactly all that Jesus wants of us, is just to know him. He wants us to really know him, to have fellowship with him. All right, so who does it? And then we go down to, uh, to what? What was John writing about? Well, really, John was trying to correct two things, and both of them were about Jesus. He wanted the church there to know that Jesus was indeed fully God, and that he was fully human, right? So he's writing to correct the false views that had made their way in this young church. Does anybody remember when John wrote the book of John? Oh, I know it's really hard. 90. 90, you got it. That's right. And that's really, really important, right? One of the questions that came up from somebody was last week while Chad Ben was preaching was, does, is John really saying that he saw Jesus? And yes, that was like the first couple verses in, in, in the, the first chapter. John is writing 60 years, about 60 years after the resurrection. And so John is saying, hey, young church, I'm not just talking about some Jesus that I read about in the book. Like, I was literally there. I saw him with my eyes. I walked with him. So you can trust my account. Written about 60 years after, and it's an eyewitness account. Does anybody remember where the book of 1 John was written? Ephesus. That's right. Then you guys got it, right? I think it's very, very interesting that actually the book of Revelation, they say, is written about uh, AD 70, right? So 20 years earlier. And if you were to go back and read the book of Revelation, one of the things that Jesus has against the church in Ephesus is that they've forsaken their first love, that they've rejected Jesus and they've gone off on their own. And I can only imagine that John, sitting there in Ephesus, knowing the condition of the church in Ephesus, is saying, church, you're a young church, don't forsake your first love. And so maybe that motivates him while he is writing the book of 1 John. That's good, Jeff. Right? All right, and then lastly, why does he write it? Um, again, he writes it in order to correct uh, these false these false teachings, as, as well as to combat the uh, the worldliness that he sees um, permeating into the church, which actually we're going to talk about next week. Those external threats to to the church. All right, and then let me just catch us up. In first uh, in, in the first chapter, Chad Chad Bet did a great job last week, and so let me just. Real quickly, because uh, because honestly, if you read through from the first chapter of 1 John, he highlights a lot of the same themes that are going to go throughout the entire book, right? And so Chuck Ben talks about some of those. Remember, he talked about um, that we have fellowship with the person and the character of Jesus. Once again, the Gnostics believed all you needed to have was a bunch of facts about Jesus and you're good. Chuck Ben says, No! Unplugged. It's not enough for you to just know facts about this person that you heard about. Man, we get to have fellowship with God through the person of Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? And then lastly, thing we're going to hit on today, Chabet talked about um, sin and the reality, the results, and then the remedy. My favorite, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible comes from 1 John 
chapter 1, verses 9, which is, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And that, that is good news. It's great news is that Jesus came to purify us from all of our sin. Alright, now we get to chapter 2, and we're going to be splitting it up because it's a lot of verses. We're going to be reading uh, today, uh, chapter verses 1 through uh, 14. And if you will, I, I would invite you to stand up as we read the Word of God together. First okay. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 14 reads, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. All right, so if we were to uh, title where we're headed, we would title it, Sin Divides, but Jesus Unites. Yes, Two opposite things, sin and Jesus, and they can't occupy the same space. And they both affect the church. All right, so before we even get into our passage, we have to talk about one word and one word only, which is fellowship. All right, now, um, have you ever heard the word fellowship? Raise your hand if you've heard it, right? Now, here's the deal. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of an older word, and, and we use it somewhat, right? Outside of the church, and I, was, uh, I was in my office this week, and somebody says, Hey, um, Chapel, we got some chili, and we got some barbecue, and we got some fellowship happening in the office next door. Right? People use that word, fellowship, for that sort of thing. I was driving by a church um, the other day, and uh, on their marquee it says, fellowship, and then it has a time, 10 o'clock. And then it says service, 11 o'clock, right? As if fellowship only happens one hour on Sunday, right? 
And then we have, um, I don't know if it's true here, but there, there's this thing in, in most churches called the fellowship hall. Yeah. Right? So there's a there's a room where fellowship is supposed to happen, but, but then it's like, does it happen anywhere else? So what do you think, church? And this is the part where you're going to answer and you're going to be interactive, right? What do you think fellowship is? How would you describe it? Spending time with people. Okay, that's really good, right? Getting to know one another. Getting to know one another, right? Okay, so fellowship involves this like connection with people. Yeah. Okay, what else? Is there anything else? Having something in common. Having something in common. It's like John Ben already knew my notes and read them, right? Having a connection with somebody and then having things in common. I'll tell you. The very best picture of what this looked like in the church was at the very beginning of the church. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 44, it says, right, you remember the story, right? Peter preaches this, this amazing sermon, probably like the greatest sermon ever preached. And then immediately, boom, this explosion happens and the church just out of nothing becomes, right? And it says of this particular church, the very first church. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Once again, right, there's, a, there's an element of community People connecting to one another. And as Chef Ben pointed out, right, he even says it right there, that they have all things in common. And right, and if you were to read those next couple verses, it talks about them sharing their property, sharing their possessions with people in need. But do you know what else they had in common? Which was like the reason why the church even existed in the first place? What did they have in common? Jesus, that's right. Yeah. Right? They were connected to each other because they gathered. Why? In order to worship Jesus. That is who they had in common. It wasn't an idea. It was a person and a character. Jesus is what brought them together. And it was from the very beginning. This idea of fellowship. It's absolutely vital to the church. In fact, if we were to say anything else about fellowship, we might say that fellowship is the fuel that ignites the church. Not just in Acts chapter 2, right? But here, whatever day of the week it is, October 9th, 2022, right? Fellowship is the fuel that ignites the church. Let me tell you how this works, right? You're going to leave this place. And you're going to go out into the world, right? That's that's going to happen, right? I'm eventually going to get done with this sermon. You're going to collect up your kids, and you're going to move out, right? And during the week, you know what is what you need to do? You need to have fellowship with Jesus. That's the fuel, right? I need you. We all need you to have your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We need him to be your fuel. You know why? Because the, the world doesn't get to give you that fuel. You have to go to Jesus. And when you go to him, I can, oh man, he is faithful. He will meet you in that place and he will provide all the fuel that you need, right? And that happens during the week. And so then you come through these doors and you know what we need? 
so enamored with the love of Jesus that you are set on fire when you come through these doors, right? It helps to have a great worship team, but we need you to look at Jesus and be filled. The other thing is there are people in this room. Man, it wasn't that great of a week for them. We need you to have fellowship with them. We need you to encourage them and build them up so we can all fix our eyes on Jesus and this place can be set on fire. Right? Man, that, that is what we need Unplugged to be. Have you ever been, you know, this is, don't raise your hand. Have you ever been a part of a church uh, where there isn't fellowship like that? Right, I, I liken it to, um, have, you ever, have you ever been in a car and it's ran out of gas and then you gotta push that thing? That's kind of what it's like when you go to a place where there's no fellowship, right? And so, you know, you run out of fuel and then can you imagine an I-5, right? Probably the worst highway in America, right? And there's a lane where there's just people out there, good old church growers, right? And they're pushing cars, right? Why would you do that? You come alongside and you're like, hey, do you need some help getting fuel? No, no, I got it. I got it, okay? I don't need your help. But you know, like, you can get some fuel from Jesus. No, no, I got it. I got it. How ridiculous. Do you know that the people that designed that car never intended it to be driven without gas? Did you know that Jesus never intended this thing called church? Never intended this thing called church to go without Fellowship. Fellowship is the fuel that ignites the church. Amen? All right. But you know what? There are many threats to fellowship. Amen? I don't know if I want to say amen, but they're all right. And they're not good, right? And that's why we come to John, right? So now, now we know it's at stake. It's this thing called fellowship, this really very real thing where we have connection to God and connection with other people. And so there are threats out there in the very world and in here to this thing called fellowship. Let me introduce you to one of them. In verse 1, it says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so you may not Sin. Do you know that sin is a threat to fellowship? Now, sin is only a three-letter word, but I think it's a pretty important word, don't you say? Wouldn't you agree? How would you, remember this is the interactive part of the sermon, how would you describe sin to somebody else? What is sin? Disobeying God or disobeying God's rules? Okay, that's a pretty good definition, right? Yeah? Yes. Uh, things that you place ahead of God. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, things you place ahead of God. Okay, anybody else? Doing something you know you're not supposed to be doing. Doing something you know you're not supposed to be doing. Oh, isn't that tough? I've heard it said that sin is anything you think, say, or do that does not please God and breaks His commandments. Did you know the word sin, it's actually a term to describe archery, right? Yeah. All right, so you have this bow and arrow, and you're going to shoot the arrow, right? Well, sin is any time you don't hit the bullseye. Yeah. And if we were to, like, pull back the layers, what is that bullseye out there? 
It's perfection, okay? So, so God's standard is perfection. Because remember in, in chapter 1 that we that chapter read last week, it says in God there is no darkness at all, right? Sin has no place in God. So perfect is the standard. If you don't meet perfection, then you're in sin, right? And so um, that's the bad news, right? Isn't that bad news? Sin is, is bad news. But thankfully, we have the answer. Does anybody know what it is? It's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. Okay, now, um, let's see what John has to write. I mean, this is a huge but, right? It says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation. Say that with me. Propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world world. Wow. Okay. Um, raise your hand if uh, you have ever used the word propitiation ever. Oh, we have one, two. Just now. Just now. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We're catching on quick, right? So propitiation is a really, really interesting word, right? Big theological word that carries a whole lot of weight. If we were to like pull back the simplified definition, we might say that it's um, assuaging or presenting an offering that satisfies the wrath of God. Wow. Wow. An offering that satisfies the wrath of God. Now, um, I'm going to give you a picture because that's sometimes the easiest way to describe things like propitiation. Anybody know what this picture is? It's a courtroom, right? Now, I've been in the courtroom just a couple times, right? Maybe you've been in more, but let me just kind of describe the scenario. I didn't mean, I didn't mean that. I, didn't, I really didn't. I'm sorry. We'll, uh, we'll cut that when we post it on Facebook, right? So, a courtroom, right? So let me just let me just peel back the layers here. We're looking at this courtroom, and you can see like there's a there's kind of a circle in the background, and it's a seal, right? Sometimes it's like scales or something, and underneath that sits the judge. Now you can see like there's some there's some like TV set up with these these tables and that's where the defendant sits on one side and the prosecutor sits on the other, right? And now I want you to imagine that you open up your eyes and you are you are the defendant, right? You're the defendant. You're in that courtroom and there's a judge, but this is unlike any other judge you've ever seen before. You look at the judge and you can see that. They're just, right? It's their job to make sure that you followed all the rules to perfection. But you can also see in their eyes that, man, they're not just just, they are loving. I mean, this is, have you ever met a judge that's loving? I mean, this is crazy, right? This judge is someone who's completely different, so loving and kind in their eyes, and yet completely just. And right, and then at that moment, you find out that, the, that your life is now laid bare before everyone in that courtroom. Wow. And do you know what happens? You're sentenced. You're guilty. And you receive a life sentence. The judge bangs his gavel, and you think that's the end. And then suddenly something amazing, something that's crazy happens, right? The judge gets up out of the seat, runs down, comes right next to you, and you know what that judge says? I'll take the penalty. I'll take it. You remember how we sang that song, I Surrender All, and how Chapman Garcia said, maybe some of you have all those burdens, right? Man, that's a big burden that you can't bear, that 
perfect judge who's loving and kind and gracious and merciful. He comes and he takes your sentence and sets you free. That's Jesus. That's a word of propitiation. He sets you free. And you know, um, it's crazy what John says. It says that he doesn't just take the sins, your sins, but he takes the sins of the whole world. The whole world. Man, that's a lot of sin. And Jesus can set everyone free. Did you know that? Did you know that God desires that everyone would be saved? Not just some of the people, like, right? The Gnostics thought they have this, like, hidden secret knowledge that was only for, like, you know, a couple people. No, John said, you're crazy and you're wrong. And what you're teaching is false. Jesus' salvation is for everyone. The potential is that if everyone were to receive their freedom, they would be free. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that everyone is saved. What I am saying is that there is a potential, right? That that universal atonement that was paid by Jesus Christ can cover anyone's sin. So regardless of where you are today, whether you think you're not good enough, you think you're too good, wherever you are in between, you know what? Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. And so the question is, for those of us that are free, that we've received faith in Christ, what are we supposed to do now? Well, not only is there a threat to fellowship, but there's ways that we can build fellowship. All right, there's two ways that 1 John chapter 2 uh, gives us, right? In, in, uh, in chapter 3 it says, and by this we know that we have come to know if we keep his Commandments, right? So we're going to talk about that in a minute. So, you know, just put a pin in it, right? But then he also says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You see, we build fellowship by not just talking the talk like the Gnostics, but that we walk the walk, right? Yeah. Now, way, way back in the day, I'm an old person, right? So when I was a teenager, there was these bracelets, right? It said WWJD. Does anybody know what that meant? What would you, you even know it, right? Look, I don't need you to go and buy a bracelet. What I need you to do is to think through that question in your life. What would Jesus do specifically related to fellowship? What would Jesus do? Well, you can read about what Jesus would do, right? Do you know how Jesus built fellowship with the Father? Did you know that he had to? Even though he was the Son of God. It says that he many, many, many times would withdraw to lonely places to pray with his Father. And he would build fellowship with the Father. So then, guess what? He would be filled up to come and to minister to people. And there are so many stories about Jesus built fellowship among his disciples, but also among the crowds and everyone else as he began to tell them and live out the love that he had from the Father. You know, unplugged, we need you to walk the walk. Yes. We need you to think about what would Jesus do? If he came through those doors of unplugged, what would Jesus do? You know, because it's not enough to know about Jesus. You know, if I had time, 
I would ask some questions related to LeBron James, right? Maybe I would ask, I would ask, hey, what team does LeBron James play for? And you would say, right? If I said, hey, what number does LeBron James wear on when he plays in a game? You would say, twenty-four. Okay, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's uh, maybe a couple numbers, right? Uh, right? How many, how many teams has he won uh, champions with, championships with? Three, right? Maybe I'll even ask you something personal, like how many sons does LeBron James have? And you'd answer two, two right? Wow. But here's the deal: the Gnostics would say, based on your response, that you know LeBron James, that literally everybody in here knows LeBron James. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> Just because I know about LeBron James, man, I know some facts. I don't know LeBron James. It's like Jesus, right? Maybe you, maybe you, you have one of these, right? Maybe you have one. But I need you to walk the walk, right? I don't need you to just know some stuff about Jesus. I need it to be lived out because we need fellowship. All right, all right. So there's a threat to fellowship, and that's sin. How do we get through that? Well, we claim victory through Jesus Christ, and then we walk the walk, right? Now, the, the thing in is, um, is John talks uh, again about the other thing about building fellowship, which is uh, a commandment. Now listen to this. This is kind of confusing. I just need you to just stay with me right here, right? Verses 7 and 8 says, Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. At the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him, and in you. What? Man, that's really confusing, right? Like, first of all, it says, hey, it's, it's, it's an old commandment. And then he says, well, actually, it's a new commandment. Does anybody have an idea? Think through all the commandments that Jesus gave when he was on earth. What, what commandment would you say that John is alluding to? Does anybody know any commandments that Jesus gave while he was on earth? Ooh, what was that? Love? Love one another. Love one another. Man, it's like you guys could have preached this sermon yourselves, right? If we go to the next slide. Actually, in John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. All right, so we build fellowship by connecting to Jesus. Right? Of having fellowship with him. But then we're supposed to keep the commandment. We're supposed to love one another. Which means we're supposed to deliberately go out of our way. To love the people in this room. Look around this room. This is it. This is our fellowship. And you know what? It doesn't just happen. We have to love one another. We have to deliberately plan to love one another. For instance, this week, right? There are people that went to someone's house. It's on Facebook, right? People from this fellowship went and built fellowship with other people by moving an entire family. Yes. Praise God. Yes. Right? Yes. Fellowship was built right here just a few minutes before I even got up here when we dedicated a baby, right? We together as the Fellowship of Unplugged said, we take on the ownership to raise this child in the ways of God. Yes, sir. That's how we built fellowship, is it not? Yes. 
Well, if, if loving one another is how to build fellowship, then what do you think the threat is? If love is what we're supposed to do, what, what is kind of a threat that happens? Hatred. Hate, right? John even says, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You know, I believe there's probably multiple stories in this room because I've probably heard some of them where people have been in a church where they're supposed to love one another and yet the opposite happens. You've experienced hate. And right, it uh, destroys fellowship and probably leaves some scar tissue. And that's why we have to circle back to the very first verse in John, 1 John chapter 2, which is, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. Yes. But if you do, there's a propitiation. You see how this works? Man, this fellowship in here isn't going to do everything perfectly. But we know the one who can forgive us of our sins. Amen? Amen. We know the one who ultimately can build this thing that we call unplug into a vibrant, life-giving fellowship. Amen. Now, um, there's, a, there's kind of a break as I conclude the sermon, right? You notice in, if you have a, a Bible, like a paper Bible, you'll notice that verses 12 through 14, are, it's almost like a poem, right? And John... He kind of, I think what he does is he's like, look, there are probably people in my community, in my fellowship that are dealing with sin. There are probably people in my fellowship, as I tell them that they're supposed to love one another, that immediately comes to mind those things that they have done that have not shown love to someone else. And I think John's saying, man, I need to leave these people with some encouragement. And so he goes through and he gives three, three groups of people, right? He gives little children. He gives fathers. We could also say fathers and mothers. And we could also, then the last group of people is young men. We could also classify as young women. You know, John, by doing this, this poem right here at the end, is saying, regardless of where you are in your faith, whether you're a little child who's just come to know Jesus, and you know that your sins are forgiven, or maybe you're a father or mother of the Lord that's been following you for 50, 60, 70 years, or maybe you're a young person, which is probably many of you in this room, right? Maybe you've been following Jesus for, man, five, six years, but every day it's a battle. You walk out this door and you're like, man, Satan is trying to eat my lunch. Regardless of where you fall, John is saying, there's fellowship for you. Yes. Yes. And you know, what would happen? What would happen unplugged? If we chose to walk out these doors and not sin, but when we do, we realize that there's forgiveness. And from that forgiveness, we then have fellowship with the Father. What would happen if every single day of this week, we all got fueled up by looking at Jesus? And then we came back a week later, right? We touched lives all over Jamie Lamb, and maybe some of those streamed through the door. And then at that moment, we can all celebrate together, right? And we can have fellowship, and we love one another. What would it look like? I bet, I bet it would be like the early church in Acts chapter 2, that we would be filled with awe. Are you ready? Are you ready? Can we do it? Can we be that church? Can we grow and build that fellowship? I think we can. Would you please stand? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray.
And then um, if the worship team, if they can come back up, right? Well, uh, yep, he's got it. Okay. Uh, the worship team's going to play. You know what? And there, there are people in this room that that might need to surrender some more stuff. After hearing that, maybe maybe there's sin in your life that you're you got to get rid of, man. We can't have darkness. We need to walk and live in the light with Jesus, right? And Chuck Ben, Chuck Garcia, myself will be here to receive you and help you work through that, right? There are probably people in this room that are like, man, I've never been a part of a church where there's this thing called fellowship. And you know what? We also want to pray for you. That you'd experience true wholeness and healing in Jesus Christ, the only one that can really heal your heart. So you can move out to then serve the body of Christ, all right? So we'll be up here at the front. Man, please, as they sing, as they as we fix our eyes on Jesus, if you need to do business with God, please come to the front. Father, thank you for the word of God, which is true and powerful. Father, I pray that our hearts would be um, that would be fertile to hearing and receiving and growing the word of God today. God, I pray that we would have fellowship with you and with each other. All this we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.